If you want to go ahead and open up to Psalm 25, we'll be getting there in just a few moments. As our children move on to continue in their worship service, we talked about that in staff meeting this morning as we prayed for our service that uh, often our children are anxiously running to uh, continue in worship. And I thought, wouldn't that be great if we were the same way where we just ran to worship Jesus? I love that idea and that thought. I'm not telling you, you need to. Psalm 25 this morning, as I was listening and singing this morning, I was reminded and, and very thankful that God does lead us by his hand. And, and I pray that you are thankful for that as well. The thing is, uh, we need to be in his grasp <laughs> to be going where he's leading. And that's so important. And that's really what we've been talking about for the past 14 months, understanding what the church is and, and how the church was established and what our role is and, and understanding what Jesus says to us and what our obligations are, responsibilities, how he's leading us, how he's teaching us. And that all just continues to build up. And then the last few weeks, what do we need to do to prepare to go as he is leading us? So this is the last of a series called Turn the Page. And our focus of past four weeks have been on God's instructions to us, the church, on what we must do to follow him. And I pray that we have been listening and I pray that we have been obedient. And one of the things that I hesitate about doing a series, a focused a study, is that we wait to the end of the series before we do anything about it. And, and that's not the intent. You know, we need to be listening and obeying as God teaches, not at the end of the series, not January 1st. We need to do it now. That's the best time when God speaks is to say, yes, Lord, and then follow him today. Well, this morning, God teaches us how to be ready. And that's the title of the, the message is be ready how can we be ready in the next step of our journey with God? This past Wednesday, we studied a few verses, uh, verses 8 through 10 in chapter 25 to help set us up for this time. I asked through social media that perhaps you would meditate on Psalm 25 this week and, and just acknowledge what is it saying about God and what is it saying about me and what am I supposed to do in in light of what he's teaching me so let's just look this morning in Psalm 25 verses 1 through 5 to you O Lord I lift up my soul O my God in you I trust let me not be put to shame let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. 
If you're following along in your outline, number one is God defines two sides. He defines two sides. I love how David begins this passage in verse one. He says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. That is a willing submission. That is surrendering my very life to God. That's what David is saying here. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. I give you everything. And isn't that where we need to be? Really, if, if we're not in that position, we're not in the right posture to hear from God. And we're not in the right posture, certainly, to follow God. So we must be aware this morning, have we yielded to him as the head of the church? Do we acknowledge him as our Lord and Savior? Have we surrendered all to him? That's how we begin well. Now, if we have not willfully submitted to the Lord, we cannot faithfully follow him. And I I really don't understand what happens in our minds. I've been here before in in my my spiritual walk where, where you assume things about God and you assume the teachings of God. You hear the teachings of God and you assume that the good things are going to apply to you regardless. But, but there, there are specific teachings that, that if you're not following him, you're not going where he's going. And we can't call ourselves followers of Jesus if we're not walking with him. And and just think of it this way. I've had times in my life where I'm not walking closely with God, but I want him to be involved in my life. And so my prayer would be more like, God, would you bless what I'm doing here? Would you give me grace in my career? Would you help me in my school? And say, I want God to stop what he's doing and come over into my little life. See, the invitation of God is for you to join him. It's for you to be part of the big picture, the story that he is writing. Now, there's some misapplications there that we hear in the world today about God writing your story. Hey, that's already been written. And if you follow him, it's Jesus. And if you do not follow him, it's despair. That's that's it. He's writing his story and he's inviting us to be part of it. That's the beauty of the Savior that we serve even today. So the first thing that we see after, after David willingly submits his life is we hear David's cry. My God, I rely on you. Let me not despair. That word ashamed in my uh, translation translates to despair. The second thing we see is David's confidence. He says, those who wait for the Lord shall not despair, shall not be ashamed. That phrase wait for God means to trust in him. And the third thing we hear is the consequence. The faithless will despair. Now that word despair or or, uh, ashamed means a humiliating exposure for trusting in the wrong deity. So those who wait and trust on the Lord, 
the almighty God, the true one living God will not despair, will not be humiliated because everything that he says is true. But everyone else who is following another path, another way, whether they've created it themselves or it's been imposed by the culture, they are the ones who are going to get to the end and say, but I thought, I thought I was on the right path. And there's great despair, humiliation that I followed the wrong one. Now, Jesus gives us example after example, and he says clearly in John 14, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one, that's, that's no one comes to the Father except through me. So you can't use Buddha. You can't use a cow that you call a god. You can't use a statue. You can't use your good works. Jesus is the only way. And there are many who have been deceived in the world today who will come to the end of their life, stand before Jesus, and he'll say, I never knew you. And you don't come in to be with me. Great despair. Great humiliation. And that's why we see in God's word, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the culmination. We bow today because we know who he is. We humble ourselves before him because we know who he is. But there will be those who who are atheists today or they're agnostics or they're just living on the path of their own who will be on their knees right beside us, but it'll be in humiliation. For an eternal despair as they recognize that he truly is God. These first verses reveal two sides for all humanity. There are those who have full confidence in God alone. And then there are those who are faithless toward God. There are no degrees between the two. You can't mostly trust God. You either do or you don't. And God clearly indicates this here. Number two in your outline, God teaches for a purpose. So understanding, as as David indicated here, those who trust in the Lord will not be humiliated. They, They will not despair. David makes this appeal. Reveal your ways to me, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in the way of your everlasting faithfulness and teach me. Reveal your will to me, God. That's a prayer. God, would you, would you show me what your desire is? And would you teach me your way to live this life? Oh, what is the purpose of David's appeal? Why would David be asking God to reveal his will to him and to teach him his way? And I would ask you the same question this morning. Why are you here? Why do you have a desire to hear about God? Why do you have a desire to learn scripture and what it says about God and his way? And I would hope that we're all together in this, that that we have come this morning because we agree with David in that God's way is the only way. And we don't want to be found faithless before him. So God, teach me your will and teach me your ways. 
Practically, we would ask a question like this of God. We would make our appeal to him so that we would follow him. Not so that we could evaluate what God says and decide if we want to follow him. Does that make sense? We ask God to reveal himself in his way so that we will follow him, so that we know what to do. The Hebrew language captures this meaning in the word that is translated as teach. That word teach means imparting information with the implication that that information will be responded to. So it doesn't fall on deaf ears. It's not just stuck into the memory banks. It's taught to you and me for a purpose. And that's critical for studying the Bible and for living for Christ effectively. The knowledge we receive, the principles that we learn, the truth that is revealed is taught by God through the Holy Spirit to you and me with an expectation of an obedience response. Why else would God teach us? We are servants and we've come to the master. We're students. We've come to the teacher. God, teach me. Why would we ask him to teach if we weren't going to follow? And why would he teach us if he didn't expect us to obey? So every time we read God's word, every time we study God's word, every time we hear God's word, there is an opportunity for you and me to be transformed into the likeness of his son and to walk more closely in fellowship with him. Every time, just to make sure you're awake, would you repeat that with me? Every time, we're we're opening up God's word right now. Every time, you're going to be in Sunday school in just a little bit, and you're going to open up God's Word. Every time. You'll be having devotions at home. Every time. You'll be listening to someone preach on the radio or on, on the Internet. Every time you hear God's Word is an opportunity to be transformed into the image of God and to walk more closely with Him. That also means that every time we do not obey what God teaches us through his word, we forfeit our transformation and we forfeit our fellowship with him every time. I have done reading plans. I've done reading plans with other people. And wow, you talk about pressure. We, we were doing a reading plan that uh, I just think you have to be partly crazy to do it. There was so much reading, so many chapters every day. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to read God's word, but here's what happened. You miss one day, it's difficult to catch up. You miss two days, it's nearly impossible. And then by the third You're just reading words so you can check the box so that someone will, when they say, did you read? And Scotty would say, yes, I did. And that's what I was doing. Yeah, I read it. I wasn't getting a thing out of it. I was reading to be reading. I was reading to check the box. I was reading to accomplish the the plan of, I'm going to read the Bible all the way through and the Psalms twice. I'm going to do that this year. That's great to have a goal such as that. But if you're not listening to God teach you through his word, you're kind of wasting your time. 
We read God's word so that he can reveal himself to us. We reveal God or we read God's word so that we can see who we are in the presence of his holiness. And we, re, we humble ourselves and say, God, teach me. Because I can't remain who I am. I must be more like you. Transform me into your image. So we choose our nature over his when we hear him and say, I'm not going to do that. We choose our nature. So you and I as the body of Christ, as the church, if we're collectively saying, I choose my nature over God's. I choose my way over God's. What, what becomes of us as the church? We looked at this a couple of weeks ago in Revelation chapter 2. Jesus said, I will take my lampstand away. That means we exist as a church, but we have zero kingdom impact. We exist as a church, but we have no influence in our community. We become a country club that gather together each week and do the things that we can do and not experience the things God can do. And I tell you what, there's a trade-off right there that I would gladly do any day of the week. I would far rather experience what God can do than what I can. And I pray that you would have the same heart Number three, God expects an obedient response. God expects an obedient response. So how serious is an obedient response to God and his revealed word? John 14, 21, Jesus said, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, He it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So Jesus said the proof, the proof of your relationship and mine is that you will obey what I teach. So we only say we love him if we hear the teachings of God and not do them. We we like the idea of following Jesus. We like the idea of salvation. We like the idea of having a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but we're unwilling to do what he says. And that's a problem. Continuing disobedience is dangerous for anyone claiming to be a disciple of Christ because it does not align with what Jesus determines and what Jesus defines as a relationship with him. We, we like to define our own kinds of relationships. We come into a relationship with an expectation. But when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, our expectations do not matter. It's what he defines that matters. And he said, if you love me, you will do what I say. That's the relationship. And that's the agreement that we have going in. So I will put this plainly as I can with love and compassion. But a Christian claiming to be bought by the blood of Jesus, guaranteed by the Holy Spirit and destined to an eternal heaven, yet unwilling to obey the commands of God, listen, may not be saved at all. 
Well, Steve, you're just being religious. No. I, I think I'm being biblical here. Because Jesus said that that would be our loving response. And that is a response of obedience. So if we listen and don't obey, what does that say about the relationship that we say that we have with him? According to his standard. Well, Jesus is a bit more direct. And he can be because he is the judge. And he knows our hearts. Obedience is an essential part of the Christian faith. See, God saves you. It wasn't your decision. You didn't wake up one morning and say, you know what I think? I think I want to get get saved. We don't do that. That's not in us. We have no desire to follow him. This is his work and his invitation, his work in our lives, drawing us to that point. But God saves us. And he does so through the obedient life, death, burial, resurrection, and payment of Jesus Christ alone. There's nothing else to be added to that. We cannot add to that message. We cannot add to the work. We cannot exclude any portion of what Jesus did and accomplished on our behalf. And he does not depend on you or me to maintain that salvation. And he does not depend on us to secure that, that, that salvation. See, Jesus modeled for us while he was here what his disciples will look like. And so we look to him. He was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2.8. And then Jesus commands us to take up our cross daily and follow him. That's Matthew 16, 24. Take up your cross daily and follow him. That does not mean wear your best Christian t-shirt. Does not mean get a bumper sticker and stick on your car. Does not mean to pay a little extra for a plate that represents Jesus. It means sacrificial obedience every day. Let it go every day. Surrender to him every day. Willingly submit to him every day. That's what it means to walk with him So a Christian who's not obeying Christ's commands will be asked by Jesus, and he records it in Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? The very nature of Jesus being your Lord compels us to obey him, listen, as an act of love. It's not that we earn it by being obedient. It's that we desire to be obedient because of our love for him. The love that he has shown us. The bottom line is if you love God, you will obey him. And we'll see that all through scripture. We, we won't be perfect in our obedience. I'm not saying that we will be. But we're not going to be complacent in our sin either we cannot rest with who we've always been we will desire to submit to the lord's teaching we will desire to glorify him in our lives because of who he is and because he has accomplished something that you and i could not do and he has saved us from an eternal hell through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
So why did David appeal to God to reveal his ways, teach his path, lead in his way of truth and to teach his truth? Why did he make that appeal? And we see right here in the last verse that we read, you are the God of my salvation for you. I wait all day long because God is David's deliverer. Because God is David's protector, because God is David's salvation, because God is David's victory, David kept looking forward to the promised salvation. And in that looking forward and waiting for that to finally come through and realizing salvation, here's what he did. Everything God taught and revealed to him through his word. That was his heart. We know that David failed, don't we? But his heart, he was after God's own heart. He desired to follow him. Yes, he failed. He desired to follow him. And yet, Jesus still comes from the line of David. You know, God uses us. We're broken vessels, but he chooses to use us as we willingly submit to him. As we look at this this morning, we're wrapping wrapping it up. Are you ready... Are you ready with all that God has taught us in the last few weeks? Are you ready to follow him? Have you made the preparations that he requires of you and me this morning? As a reminder, this is just looking back four weeks ago. Are you hungering for God's kingdom and his word and his ways? Do you desire that in your life? Are you yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit to become who God said you are in Christ, not who you want to be? Have you repented for salvation? Have you repented for forgiveness? Have you repented to be restored in a relationship with God this morning? Are you in a right relationship with God, aligned with what he says salvation looks like, aligned what he says fellowship looks like? Aligned with what he says love is. And are you living with an expectation for his glory? This morning, as we read scripture, I see us as, as the church in humility with our hands open, crying out to God in the same way David did. Oh God, reveal your ways to me and teach me your paths. Lead me in the way of your everlasting faithfulness. That's your truth. And teach me for you are the God of my salvation and I will continue trusting in you. That is a declaration, isn't it? I humble myself before God and I declare to him, lead me and teach me and I will follow. I will seek to glorify you in my life and I will keep on trusting you. So to be ready this morning, you and I must seek God's ways through his word in prayer. It's great to talk about our opinions and our experiences and what's worked in the past and what hasn't. But if we're not going to God's word, in prayer for his leadership and his wisdom? 
Are we really receiving it? Or are we asking God to come bless what we think we ought to do? So we seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, realizing that our comfort, um, our, our provisions, our money, our history do not determine God's way tomorrow. And we do not change God's way for it is established. Therefore, we continually seek to know his will. Now, if we learn more about God, his purposes and his ways, and do not apply those to our lives and our procedures, our practices, those principles and truths that he, is, he said, this is who I am and this is who you are. If we aren't following those things, we are called hypocrites. We've come here to this place declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. We have made statements of faith. We've been baptized in the waters by immersion saying, I am, I'm dead to myself, but I'm raised in life with Jesus Christ. I love Jesus. I follow Jesus. Jesus is the way. And we say these things, but if we're not following him, we're lying because he's not to us. To be ready, you and I must respond out of love to what God teaches us in his word. Not forfeiting transformation. Not forfeiting fellowship. We say that we're desperate for Jesus. We sing, I need thee every hour. We proclaim that we have been changed and transformed by the renewing of our minds, by the work of the Holy Spirit within us, that we're becoming more and more like Jesus. We proclaim these things and we say, I love Jesus, but do we live out what he is teaching us today? Do we live out what we say we believe? So what is your relationship with Jesus? If God saved you, Jesus is the master and you are the servant. Jesus is the teacher and you are the student. That's the relationship. He's not seeking your advice or mine. He's not asking us what, he, what we think might work to reach more people for Christ. He's not asking us. He's telling us here is the best way. To glorify my name as my church. Well, what's your responsibility and what's my responsibility in his church at First Baptist Boaz? Simply put, to follow Jesus. That's, that's our responsibility. Follow Jesus. He's the head of the church. That means we sacrifice our ways. We sacrifice our thoughts, dying daily to ourselves so that we can see him and follow him. Jesus is the one who established the church and he did it with his blood. And he's rightfully the head. All the members, you and me, of the church, of his body, are submitting to him. And that's the only way we can be effective and that's the only way we can be faithful in following him. We have to be in the right place. And that's a place of humility before God. 
I would ask this morning, have you willingly submitted to the Lord as David did? Oh, Lord, I lift up my soul. Maybe that is your cry this morning. You you realize that you have walked adjacent to those in fellowship with God and, and you're really not experiencing that kind of fellowship, that you're really not growing more closely to him, that you're not being changed to be more like him. And maybe that is your cry this morning. said, oh, Lord, I lift up my soul today. I I willingly submit to you as my Lord. Lord, have your way with me. I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to follow you. The second question, are you following him in every area of your life today? Lord, show me your paths. Lord, show me your ways. Is that a cry of your heart today? Why are we here? but to worship God. How do we worship God, but obey him with what he leads us to do? Church is not about you. It's not about me. It's all about God. If we are not existing for his glory, we are losing our witness in the place that he has put us. I pray that First Baptist of Boaz will be known as a house of prayer because God said that's what his house would be. Not that we say prayers, but that we join together, that we corporately seek God's will together. I pray that we'd be known as members who are committed disciples of Jesus. That means we're, we're following him. Whatever the cost to us personally, we're following him for his glory. And that we glorify God personally and corporately. It's easy to glorify God for an hour on Sunday. My prayer is that what God teaches us impacts the rest of our week. Our day-to-day lives as we walk with him. That he will be seen. That we truly are the salt of the earth. That we truly are the light in the darkness. Wherever this life takes us. Ultimately, as we look at ourselves and we look at at what we're trying to accomplish here, God must increase and we must decrease. That only happens as we humble ourselves before God. What does God require of you today to be ready for the next step. I, I don't want to I don't want to manipulate you. I, I don't want I don't want to compel you to come to the altar. But if we sit back and we say, Well, God doesn't expect anything of me to follow him, we're not listening to Scripture. None of us are perfect. And when we come into the face of the truth of God's word, he reveals to us in our hearts what we must do. And it might be a relationship that you need to reconcile. It might be humility in your life before him. It may be that we've talked about this as the church before that 
that even though we've, we've discussed and we've prayed and we've let go of things that have hurt us in the past, if you're still talking about it today, you've not let it go. And maybe today is the day you say, I, I genuinely want to leave it behind. I don't want yesterday to impact how I obey today. Will you do what God says to do? Are we prepared as a church to follow where he leads? And we sing, I've decided to follow Jesus. You only decide to do so because he draws you to himself. I'll go with him, with him, all the way. We can't do anything less, church. So we're going to have a time of invitation. It's a time of response as Mike and Ryan come up. This is our opportunity to respond to God. And obviously, you can respond where you are this morning. You, you can pray. You can make a commitment to God right where you are. But God might be compelling you to come to the altar. And, and in the Old Testament, the, the altar was a place of death. And maybe that's what needs to happen today. Is you need to take what's holding you back, what's entangling you, and you just need to lay it at the altar and walk away. Perhaps today your cry is, I willingly submit my soul to you, O God. I need a Savior. That's all you need to say. And we will help guide you to the cross. I'll be right here if you need me, if you need to pray. Altar's open if you need to pray. But let's respond to God right now. What's required of you to be ready to follow? Let's stand as we sing and let me pray as we do so. Lord, we submit ourselves to you now. We've heard your word. We've heard your truth. Lord, I pray that we would respond in a way that glorifies you alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.